When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to a new episode of the Sports Mecca Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Abramo. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Sam Hangeli. Today, we are joined by Sporting News College Basketball Columnist and Fox Sports Bracketologist Mike DeCourcy to break down the first half of the 2023-24 men's college basketball season. Mike, uh, Sam and I appreciate the time. Oh, well, happy to be here, guys. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as I mentioned, the introduction, midway part of the college basketball season, really for you, since you followed the sport, what have been some storylines that have you know, caught your eye so far? Well, I mean, I think it starts with Zach Eady. Uh, pursuing a second consecutive National Player of the Year award, which would put him in the the rarest of company in college basketball. I believe that if you start from the the beginning of the United States Basketball Writers Player of the Year award, which is now known as the Oscar Robertson Trophy, which was first won by Oscar Robertson uh, in 1959, if you start with him, uh, I believe the entire list is Oscar, then Jerry Lucas, then Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Bill Walton, uh, Pete Maravich, I left out chronologically, and and Ralph Sampson. I believe that's the entire list of players that have won consecutive Oscar Robertson trophies. If you think about the history, I mean, they're, they, they are, all of those players rank among the 30 or 40 greatest players in the history of college basketball, and... Most of them rank in the 10 greatest players in the history of the game. And when I wrote a book 20 years ago about the top 100 players in college basketball history, Walton and, and Jabbar, well, Jabbar and Walton were one and two. So it shows you uh, Oscar was three, I think, and uh, and Maravich was five. So it shows you the kind of, of territory he's entered. And it's pretty amazing. And the second thing I would say relative to the season is that the the game is much more attractive. In the offseason, 
the NCAA Rules Committee uh, made another attempt at, to uh, change the way the charging rule is called and enforced, and it has been a spectacular success. The number of flops and guys jumping in front of driving players is, I mean, it's 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 almost been eradicated. You still see guys charge because if I if I'm defending you, Stephen, and and you drive the ball right through me, then they're going to call that a charge because it is a charge. But if I'm defending you, if I'm defending you and you get by me and your teammate jumps in front of you, or my teammate jumps in front of you, I should say, that's more than likely not going to be a charge. And it's not going to be called now, whereas in the past, it was called all the time. And so now we see amazing things like layups and dunks uh, and baskets as, instead of just guys falling down on the floor. It's it's so much more attractive a game. I wish the third element, I wish that that introduction had happened in a year where the talent was better. This is not a great year for college basketball talent generally. I wish it were a little better, but I'll, I'll still take it. And eventually the talent will come back up. There's some terrific players coming into college basketball next year. Uh, and hopefully some of the great ones we have here will stick around for 2025. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I definitely want to get your thoughts on, on this aspect of some teams that were ranked in the preseason poll that they're they're not having really as strong of a season as they as they thought. You know, Gonzaga, Arkansas, and Texas were were all ranked in the preseason top twenty five, and they're not ranked currently. Um, a team like Arkansas is looking like they might not even make the NCAA tournament. So, you know, give us your thoughts on those three teams. Well, I, Texas is the one that vexes me the most out of that group uh, because. Uh, I thought there was a lot there. I think Dylan DeSue's return to action was a little delayed and probably that impacted their ability to be effective early. They did not play a great schedule. So their opportunities to win significant games out of conference were limited and they didn't uh, succeed much in the ones that they had. Uh, I think there's still a chance for them to come around. The Big 12 gives you lots of opportunities to beat significant teams uh, they've got a couple of really good wins in the last week. The Oklahoma win and the Baylor win were both uh, were both huge for them. Uh, I think they got them into my mock bracket field at Fox Sports, uh, or will uh, most likely the next time I uh, I, I do it. Uh, I do it every Tuesday and Friday of each week. Uh, so I, I Texas, I think. Although they are the ones that puzzle me the most, they also have the best opportunity to come back and be highly relevant. Uh, Gonzaga, I think, still has a chance to be very good. The problem is that, and this has been the, the way things have been structured for them for decades, is they have to be really ready to go from the beginning because all their toughest games are there. And they just weren't. They had a lot of new players, a lot of new roles for players who'd been there. And it just took a while. They're playing better basketball now. But they may be in a situation where to get into the NCAA field again, they'll need to win the West Coast Conference automatic bid. And it, that won't be easy because St. Mary's is very good. 
Santa Clara is pretty good. So it'll be a tough ride for them to get either back to uh, the fringe of at-large consideration or to win the automatic bid from the West Coast Conference. Arkansas, just they, the transfers they brought in, just not talented enough. There's just not enough talent there. It's certainly not the coaching. Coaches don't get coaches don't don't get dumb overnight. They don't get less they don't get less adept overnight. To the 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 struggles that Arkansas is having or UCLA UCLA is having, they, they, those coaches are still great coaches. They just the 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 rosters aren't where they need to be. In the case of UCLA, it comes down to betting on international talent and the international talent just not being quite ready to succeed. Uh, and in Arkansas's case, it was betting on a series of transfers that uh, they were not quite good enough. There were some additions they made that made me question about how 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 successful they might be. Uh, and it has not turned out well for them, but they'll, I think they'll learn from this. Uh, and you said they probably won't make it. Look, they're not making it unless they win the SEC regular season. Maybe if they won every SEC game from here to the end of the year, went the next six weeks undefeated and made the championship game in the league and then, uh, and lost, probably they'd get in, but they're not going to do that. They're not good enough to do that. So they would have to have those four to five magical days in Nashville. And and I don't think that's likely either. So you mentioned the transfer portal, how the players at Arkansas picked up haven't worked in their favor. On the flip side of that, what players in the transfer portal that transferred to the transferred in their, in their first year at their respective schools have have really impressed you the most? Well, I mean, in terms of how they have helped their teams, um, I would start at the top uh, with Lance Jones at, at Purdue. I think that uh, he has added dynamism and strength and, and experience to Purdue's backcourt. He's not shot. He, he, he makes shots. He doesn't, he's not a great shooter, but he'll make a shot. So you have to guard him. He could he could be a little bit more selective with his shooting, uh, but uh, but he he's had a really terrific year and has made them so much better. Uh, you look at, at Cam Spencer at UConn; uh, they needed a shooter with all the wings they lost two to two to the NBA. Plus Joey Calcaterra ended his career ended his college career. He he ran out of eligibility was a huge part of their championship run last year. Uh, Naheem Aline transferred to St. John. So they needed to bring in some guys to play on the perimeter and Cam Spencer. I, I, he was, he was at Rutgers last year. I saw him a ton at big 10 network and he had a nice year and, and can certainly shoot the ball, but he's almost a different player. Now he's more aggressive. He's more confident. He was always a good shooter, but he does more beyond just catch and shoot. Uh, so he's really helped them. Uh, Harrison Ingram has made Carolina so much better in the front court. He's allowed Armando Baycott to be more than a rebounder. Ingram is a, is an elite rebounder as well, so that frees Baycott to do other things. So those are some right there on the top three teams in the country in the polls. Uh, you have a significant transfer contributing to each of them. So it shows you how important that element of talent acquisition has become in the college game. For sure. Uh, Mike, uh... 
So the uh, Kansas Jayhawks start out the year as a preseason number one after signing uh, Hunter Dickinson in the uh, transfer portal. They have had some quality wins over Kentucky, Tennessee, and UConn. However, they have dropped a couple road games in a conference play, one to UCF and then recently to West Virginia, who is currently 7-12. and 12. Um, How much is the lack of depth hurting KU, and what needs to happen for them to make a deep run this year? Well, it's hurt tremendously, Sam. I mean, when you're playing almost four on five a lot of the time, uh, it it really becomes problematic. Now, they are starting to get consistent offensive contributions, and that's three games to date out of Johnny Furphy, a 6'9 shooter from Australia. Uh, they're starting to get consistent contributions for him. He's had three consecutive double-figure games. He went for for 20-plus in their victory over Cincinnati on Big Monday. So it's a start in the direction of having a fifth player. And if you're going to have a fifth player out of what they have on their roster, he's the one you'd want to be able to do that because his perimeter shooting ability has the potential to open up the court for KJ Adams to drive to 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 cut down the lane, uh, get that you know that massive strength and dynamism rolling down the lane, or for Hunter Dickinson to be more difficult to double in the post because you've got to come from farther away. If Furphy's on his side, uh, you're either risking him being too open and not being able to close out, or risking a post pass. Uh, and having to run far to get inside. So uh, so that's so that's a real advantage if he can be that guy. Now, defensively, he's still got a way a long way to go. But I think that it I think if you're going to have a problem with this group, if you're going to have a problem at one end of the floor or the other, if you're going to have a player who is who is not adept at one end of the court, let it be defense because you've got an elite defensive point guard. You've got in, in Dewan Harris, an elite defensive wing uh, in Kevin McCuller. Uh, and then you've got K.J. Adams, who is, as I mentioned, the most dynamic force in college basketball in terms of strength, quickness, power, physicality. Uh, he can guard multiple positions, tremendous defensive rebounder. And then you've got a 6'11", 7-foot guy in the middle who maybe he's not a great shot blocker, but he can – man the position he can make it a little more difficult to get the ball to the rim and he can throw back a shot from time to time so you'd want the weakness to be on off on defense they can cover some for that you're still going to give up a bucket or two here or there you don't want to give up but at the other end you might get three or four or five that the other team struggles to stop because you have furphy on the floor effective i think they're going in the right direction now that he's doing that yeah, and also I felt like Furphy, his offense is rebounding, especially on the offensive end. He's given gave KU a lot of extra possessions, especially on that game on Monday, and I think that is another big thing to have as well for Kansas. Okay, so um, I want to talk about uh, some like what what jobs do you expect to open up this offseason in college basketball, and who are going to be some of the top names to uh, look for when it comes to these uh, head coaching vacancies? Well, Sam, I'm never comfortable talking about hot seed and that sort of thing. It's not something I do. Uh, but I will, obviously, uh, DePaul made a change. Uh, yeah. So comfortable talking about that. They decided to move on uh, from uh, Coach Stubblefield. Really good guy. Just It just didn't work there. I'm not a fan of 
moving on in the middle of the season, a lot of fans think, well, that gets us first into the market. Well, you know what? You can be in the market even if you have a coach, if you keep the same coach. You, nobody can stop you from making a phone call to agents and saying, hey, would your guy be interested? We're, we're going to make a move at the end of the year. And would your guy be interested? Uh, there's nothing stopping uh, uh, an athletic director from doing that. Uh, so I'm I'm never going to be a fan of midseason changes in college sports. It's just it's not to me it's not what the mission is supposed to be, uh, unless the coach in question does something terrible, and that did not happen here. He, the terrible the only terrible thing he did was block, he's three and fifteen. That's it. So uh, that's you know I, I I'm not a fan of that. But I mean there are a lot of outstanding coaches uh, that are out there that are are not employed uh by choice or by chance um and you you so you can poke around on those guys and find out like how how interested they are in DePaul how how willing they would be to take the job it's been a difficult job i mean it it has not been a successful job for anyone since Joey Meyer uh, and and Joey's success was in the 90s. So we're looking at really three, you know, going on three decades of of struggle. There have been very limit. There have been very limited pockets. Dave Lato's <laughs> first time around, he got to the tournament once, I think. Uh, Pat Kennedy had the great uh, surge uh, in the late 90s uh, with uh, Quentin Richardson. So there was that after Joey. Uh, I, so I stand corrected. I should I should have mentioned that they they had some really good teams and really good success. Bobby Simmons, uh, they they had some good battles with some excellent Cincinnati teams. But since then, uh, been very little. Uh, and so, they, it'll be a question of can you get a Bob Huggins to come out of retirement to take that job? Uh, Chris Mack, if he's going to come back. Does he want does he want to live in Chicago? It's a great place to live. Uh, but maybe it's a harder job than he sees himself in. Maybe he's gonna want to wait for something that has a better recent history of success. I think DePaul obviously will have to, if they want to chase a coach at that level, probably have to quote unquote overpay. And what I mean by that is pay at a level that typically would not be required to get a coach of that caliber to take the job. Go go heavier than that uh, in order to overcome your own recent history. For sure. Who would you say right now in, are the three teams that you would say are the favorites to win the title as of right now? Carolina, Purdue, UConn. But although maybe not in that order, they just – came out in that order. Um, I, I think that they, you know, it, honestly, I'd feel a lot better about UConn if they hadn't won it a year ago. It's always hard to repeat. Uh, there are guys, you know, it, you don't literally play with the ring on your finger when you're out there, but there are guys on that roster who've already got one. Uh, and how badly do they want the next one? It, that's, you know, in their hearts, they want it, but that there's always that little bit extra for the guy uh, who's never gotten it. Uh, so it's hard to manufacture that. There are some players on that team, Stefan Castle, for example, who were only recruits of the team that won it all. They weren't on the floor. They weren't part of the group. So his hunger may be at the level uh, of, of what 
uh, say UConn, excuse me, what, what Carolina brings or what uh, Purdue brings, but for the others, it's going to, they're going to have to find a way to reach that. And it's not easy to get there in professional sports. We've seen it in college sports. We've seen it. It's just hard to get to that level uh, again, a second time at Purdue. Uh, the question is, uh, are they quite dynamic enough and can they overcome the, the memory of the losses that they've that they've had over the last several years, uh, 2021, 2022, 23, they all lost to double digit seeds. Uh, that's they've got to find a way to get past that. Uh, and then for Carolina, they, you know, they've got the hunger because they were a bucket away in 2022. The, the core of that team, R.J. Davis and Armando Baycott, they were a bucket away, a literal bucket away. That's it. Uh, and so they've got that and they've added Harrison Ingram and they've added Elliot Cadeau. And so they've got, they've got guys who are both hungry and talented. It, it's, it's, it's a very, very good team. And so it's, I, I think those are three very worthy candidates and there'll be others that show themselves to be worthy over the course of the next five, six weeks. For sure. And I, I believe the, there's a stat out there that, uh, Think it's like at least the last ten national champions the next year don't get past the first weekend. I believe something like that. And then the last team to make it past the Sweet Sixty, I believe, was the 07 Florida Gators, who ended up winning the national title back to back. Yes. So it's definitely very hard to uh, to repeat, especially in uh, college basketball, where you have to have the bracket to fall the, your way, and then like you have to have the talent and all the pieces to. Right. Come in to win a championship. It is a challenge. It's it's one of the most difficult uh, events to win in sports. It, in, in the NFL, uh, you've got to play uh, three to four games to win a Super Bowl. Here you got to win six. You know, it, because you 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 have uh, the single elimination, the NBA playoffs, you have a bad night. You got to make up for it. But. Uh, you can because you've got you've got six more nights. Maybe uh, you have one bad night, one bad half in the NCAA, and you could be going home. For sure, um, Mike. Before uh, before we let you go, um, where uh, can people, where can listeners uh, find your uh, stuff? And uh, would you like to share out your uh, social media pages? Yes, uh, you can find me on Twitter, which I still call it Twitter, at, T at TSN Mike. Uh, you can find me at sportingnews.com, as well as uh, regularly on uh, on Fox Sports pregame and postgame shows discussing the NCAA tournament brackets that I do for them. We, we post the brackets every Tuesday and Friday early afternoon to get a fresh look at, at how things shake out. And then every weekend, Saturday, Sunday, I'm in the studio at Big Ten Network talking about the games that we have on our network, on the big show to wrap everything up on Saturday, and then Big Ten Basketball and Beyond every Sunday night, uh, the show we've been doing for the last uh, 13 years, or for 13 of the last 14 years uh, on the network. We we missed the pandemic, uh, or not the pandemic year, but the uh, 2021 year we uh the limited year, the COVID year, as we call it in, in basketball. Uh, we did not do the show that year, but we've do, been doing it relatively continuously for 13 years. Uh, my my 
co-panelist Rafael Davis and John Beeline, the great coach from Michigan, and Rick Pizzo, our terrific host. We're there every Sunday night breaking things down. Well, Mike, we, uh, we appreciate you having you on today, and uh, we uh, look forward to talking again soon, and uh, thank you for your time. Well, thanks, guys. It was a pleasure as always. Uh, enjoy the rest of the season, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon.